Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Like, you know, my first time playing with Solomon Thomas, I didn't expect him to be that fast and explosive and strong as well. And then with Carl and, uh, you know, <laughs> Max and, you know, uh, Giannis, it's just, it's, it's been great to see. You know, a lot of guys definitely improved their skill, their game, took it to another level, especially with Cleve Farrell. So, you know, everybody's just, you know, growing up, you know, everybody's, I felt like since, of, uh, getting tired of losing, so we definitely got to do something and change that. But um, everybody's approach has been great. Coach Rod's been good, Coach Smith. So just, you know, continue to, you know, work every day. That is too funny. Uh, that was Jonathan Hankins, by the way, and you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, Jonathan Hankins earlier today, I should have remembered that. Thankfully, somebody uh, made sure to uh, to edit that out uh, with a little beat. But uh, Jonathan Hankins, the Raiders veteran defensive lineman, we asked him today out at uh, the practice facility in Henderson. Um, you know, the versatility, the depth of this of this defensive line is pretty apparent just looking at it on a day to day basis. That it's better than it has been in the past. It's deeper than it has been in the past. There's a bunch of guys that are rotating in and out that bring a whole bunch of different things to the table and. In the process of explaining that, Jonathan Hankins um, had a word that started. I'm not even going to tell you what, what it started with, but it was a it was it was it was a word that can't be on the radio. I just remember that because I told Devon, "Hey, can we get that sound from Jonathan today?" And I was there. It was so early in the morning that I completely forgot uh, about that. So kind of kind of funny, but needless to say, Jonathan Hankins, who's been here for a while, uh, it, talked about how this is the deepest. Um, defensive line group that that he's seen since he's been here. Q or excuse me, uh, Clee Farrell talked about that about a week and a half ago or so. Like it's just a lot deeper. And as Clee talked about, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but it is what it is. Within the last couple of years, these last couple of years, guys got burnt out on that defensive line. Whether you're talking about at the end of games, at the end of the season, second half of the season, because they didn't have quality depth. And going back to last year, I know that the Raiders, even as they were flying high at 6-2, and two, they understood they needed to fix that defensive line. Uh, they couldn't get to it. You can't get to everything every offseason. Sometimes you just got to, at some point, roll up your sleeves and get after it with what you got and know that, hey, there's things that we got to address during this offseason, and that was a couple of areas, but for sure the defensive line, and it looks decidedly different as we sit here in uh, mid-August or August 10th, 11th, compared to where it was this point last year. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Clay wants to talk about our guy, Alex Leatherwood. How you doing, Raider Clay? Doing great. How are you, Vinny? Doing very good. Thank you. Right on. Well, I, you know, we've been talking about the defense a lot this last offseason, and rightfully so, you know, a lot to look forward to as far as new guys that have been brought in and just, you know, the coaching staff and things like that. But, yes, I wanted to talk a little bit about Alex Leatherwood. Um, I wanted to ask, how much do you think he's going to be playing this preseason? Uh, I know I was listening to JT show earlier today. He had Raider great Donald Penn on, and they were talking a little bit about, you know, the offensive line and how all these guys are going to mesh together. Um, but, you know, with Alex Leatherwood being a starter and then trying to be a little careful with how much playing time these starters are going to have in preseason, how much do you think Alex Leatherwood being a rookie is going to play. Fascinating question. Uh, I think he will get 
time, uh, but I, I I don't think he's going to get any more time or any less time uh, than the other starters. I think they're going to play the, that starting group as a unit. Although you might see a little bit of interchanging, maybe with that with that at that right guard spot uh, with. Um, you know, without with Denzel Good and with John Simpson, who's making a, a strong run, the second player from Clemson. But other than that, I think that um, as that first line goes, so does Alex Leatherwood. Um, I I think that they, you know, they're going to get him out on the field. You almost have to get this offensive line uh, out on the field uh, during the preseason. Although, and I keep reminding uh, myself and everyone else about this. Next week, they go to Los Angeles uh, to practice against the Rams for a couple of days, and. They're going to get so much out of that, especially that young offensive line dealing with Aaron Donald and, and everyone else that the Rams have on that defensive line. And as opposed to a preseason game where, as a coach, you're, everything is predicated uh, and decided on game situation. You may want to get Alex Leatherwood and the first-team offense out there a full drive, but a full drive ends up being three plays, right? And so, Because you can't control what happens on the field. However, so that first drive might be just three plays and and that's that. Now you move into your second team uh, and you roll with what the plan was coming into the game. Whereas in practice, John Gruden and Sean McVay, the Rams head coach, are going to get together. They're going to map the whole thing out. And there's going to be, I would estimate, probably about 100, 150 snaps, reps, that the Raiders first team offense is going to get against the Rams first team defensive line. So they're going to be able to create situations, whether it's uh, an 11 on 11, put the ball at the 20 and move on down the field kind of situation. They're going to be able to, to get red zone situations. They're going to be able to get third and short situations, first and 10 situations. They're going to be able to control everything about every situation in order to get Alex Leatherwood in that first team uh, def- or offensive line as many reps against a very good Rams defensive line as they can. Whereas in in preseason, Aaron Donald's not going to play in those preseason games. I doubt very seriously, unless Sean McVay has done a complete 180, that he's going to play his first team defense out there. So even if Alex Leatherwood and the first and the and the, and the Raiders first team offense play a lot, they're not going to be playing against. Aaron Donald. However, three days before that, during the week, Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday of next week, they will be able to, and I think that's going to be even more valuable. But um, I'm I'm bullish on Alex Leatherwood. I've been watching him since OTAs. He doesn't skip a beat. He doesn't miss a beat. He looks really smart. Uh, talking to some of his teammates, the demeanor that he has, kind of the veteran presence uh, that he already has. It's 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 something that. Uh, I think counts for a lot doing some digging into the process of drafting him. I know that the Raiders took a lot of heat on draft night. Uh, people were rolling their eyes. Oh, the Raiders outthinking themselves or making a, a, a knee jerk, you know, kind of reaction. And what are they thinking? Well, this selection of Alex Leatherwood, if you haven't heard me uh, talk about this before or even write about it, I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. You could read uh, my stories, um, download the app Vegas Nation or go online, VegasNation.com. This pick of Alex Leatherwood was years in the making. Tom Cable saw Alex Leatherwood, I believe it was his sophomore year at Alabama. And by then, true sophomore, second year in the program. Alex Leatherwood wins a starting job on the offensive line. And you got to understand at Alabama, 
you're talking about four and five stars everywhere you look, in front of you, behind you, to the side of you, to the right of you, uh, over at the cafeteria, walking around campus. It's just loaded with talent. So if you, for you to get on the field, you got to compete. That's why, it's so, and so many times, think about the wide receiver situation. Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy leave. What are the, what, what's, what's Alabama going to do at wide receiver? Well, they got the Heisman Trophy winner. Who, who won the, come on, who won the Heisman Trophy for uh, Devontae Smith? Smith, yes, Devontae yeah, Smith. Yeah, Devontae Smith, and there was the other wide receiver that they had, too. It was a first-round pick. Like, like they those two guys wait their turn, just like Henry Ruggs and, and Jerry Judy waited their turn. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just turns over. Jalen Waddles, that other Jaylen, one. Yeah, exactly. It just turns over like that. But here's big old Alex Leatherwood as a true sophomore saying I'm not waiting for anything man I'm going to win my I'm going to win a starting job right now on a team that's going to contend for the winning for the national championship right now well that caught Tom Cable's eye at the time he was playing guard he calls up our good friend Lincoln Kenny who oh by the way will be joining us coming back to join us starting next week Tuesday through Thursday uh, so Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Lincoln Kennedy will be back in the huddle he tells Lincoln Kennedy, a good friend of his, a, co- a confidant uh, in his. They, they, um, Lincoln has told us this before on road trips. He'll sometimes sit next to Tom Cable and they'll talk offensive line. They talk shop. And so Tom Cable calls Lincoln three years ago and says, Hey, brother, there's this sophomore on Alabama by the name of Alex Leatherwood. Keep an eye on him, man. Let me know, you know, and, and the Raiders were watching and looking and paying attention. They put, they enlisted one of their uh, lieutenants, uh, you know, uh, Lincoln Kennedy, uh, to for him to monitor him, monitor him, and that the infatuation and the admiration uh, and the interest only grew over the years, to the point where now Alex Leatherwood is draft eligible. He's you know a guy that the Raiders have their eye on. Tom Cable, when I asked him about it, said, "Hey, you know, you dig a little bit deeper." You know, when it comes to that point, because you want to make sure you're right, but all everything that he was getting in terms of Alex Leatherwood, the person, checked off all the boxes of what he was seeing, you know, as a player. And it was it was a no-brainer for the Raiders when the 17th pick came up, in spite of what everyone else thinks. So who cares what everyone else thinks, by the way? That was their guy. He had been their guy for a while. And it looks like they have certainly hit it with Alex Leatherwood. And he looks like he belongs right now. Um, and he's been working along. He's getting better, too, working against this defensive line uh, You know that Jonathan Hankins was, was just talking about in terms of the talent level, the, the uh, different skill sets. Uh, that 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 the uh, that this defensive line, this rebuilt defensive line, uh, has put forth. It's really interesting to see because you know these last couple of years, it's it's been it's been it's been a struggle for the Raiders on the defensive line. Let's just call it what it is. Whether you have you know younger players who are trying to make their mark and and kind of living through the ups and downs, and that includes Cleve Farrell, that includes Max Crosby. Whether you had guys that you know, just weren't all that good. Um, and But you had to rely on them for big minutes, for big snaps, but they weren't really producing uh, all that much, whether it was, you know, last year. Um, you know, you, you've got a guy like Carl Nassib who signs a big contract, a relative, relatively big contract, didn't quite live up to the expectations. Um, it just wasn't happening uh, at the level that the Raiders needed it to, to happen. They, they, they understood that it probably was about five games, six games in the season. Probably well before that in training camp where the Raiders felt like, you know, uh, definitely have to address this at some point. And they did in a major way. 
bringing in Yannick Ngakwe, who, by the way, was on the Raiders' radar last year. There was talk of them potentially trading to go get him when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I remember being in this studio last year during training camp talking about the possibility of that. But at the time, the cost was just a little bit too prohibitive uh, for, for the Raiders. And, you know, so they sat it out. Unique Ngakwe gets traded to the Minnesota Vikings, and he goes to the Baltimore Ravens, and the Raiders are sitting back thinking, okay, you know, at, at, at some point when he becomes a free agent, now we're going to be able to finally get up to bat and really, you know, make a case for ourselves. And in the meantime, what do the Raiders do? They go and hire his former head coach in the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in, in Gus Bradley. And so that marriage came together pretty quickly for the Raiders, Unique and Gakwe and Gus Bradley putting in a, you know, a, a good word uh, for Unique. And I think he's come in here and his presence has really changed the dynamics of that Raiders defensive line. But then you throw in Solomon Thomas, uh, who looks explosive and ready to contribute. I'm not calling it like he's going to win a trophy or some defensive player of the year award, but he's going to be a competent, efficient, impactful defensive lineman that produces in the snaps that he gets, however many snaps he gets. Don't forget about Quentin Jefferson. Don't forget about Darius Phylon. Jonathan Hankins, a carryover who had a nice year last year, and I think in this role uh, is is well suited for this role. Cleve Farrell, who continues to make strides. Max Crosby, um, who you know uh, talked about some of the things that he's improved on the uh, off the field, some changes that he made to his lifestyle. I look at Max Crosby every day. I'm just kind of shaking my head. This dude is in such tremendous shape. I, I just I'm I'm really anxious and fascinated to to, to find out what that's going to mean. Everything that all that hard work that Max Crosby has put in, going back to all you know last year, last off season. Remember John Gruden talking about uh, talking about a guy who lived at the facility. My car's here, his car's there. I leave, I drive back, his car's here. He like put the time in in that building and it just shows and he's looks fast. He's flying around. He's explosive. Is he going to be able to translate that into the field in terms of being a more efficient player this year than he was last year? We're going to see, but I mean, he's put the work in and that's, you know, that, that you, you can't do, do it on the field on Sunday unless you first put the work in and he's definitely done that. So you have, you have, uh, uh, you know, what looks to be a, uh, a Max Crosby who's poised for a big year, Cleve Farrell, who I think um, is still going to continue to maybe shut up some of the uh, doubters uh, a lot from Raider Nation who hold it against him that he was a fourth pick overall. You've got Malcolm Kuntz. you got Gerald McCoy, uh, who they just added. You've got the makings of a really strong defensive line that has depth, that has talent, and it all, for in Gus Bradley's defense, uh, it all starts there. And then you combine it with, you know, uh, a secondary that the Raiders paid big-time attention to, whether it was in free agency, Casey Hayward came after the draft, um, going out and getting Carl jo- Joseph, a veteran who can, can, you know, add that veteran presence, drafting Trayvon Morig, you know, that's a guy that, if you're asking me, who do you want to see in preseason the most? I think Trayvon Morig, Alex Leatherwood. I think Nate Hobbs, Nate Hobbs, uh, watching him, keying in on, on him uh, yesterday. 
sticking with guys, sticking on guys. He looks like he knows what he's doing out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and sometimes young secondary players, uh, it's it's a it's not that it's a struggle those first couple of years uh, or, or or that first training camp, but it's just an eye opener when you're a young cornerback and you are going against NFL wide receivers who know every trick in the book. They can make you look, frankly, silly, like like silly, silly. That's how good they are. That's how good their footwork is. That's how good their route running is. That's how good they can sell routes and sell, um, you know, what they're trying to do, what they what you what they make you think they're about ready to do. They dictate those terms, and a lot of times it can look ugly for secondary players. Uh, Nate Hobbs has gotten beat. There's been some times that he got beat. He got beat on a. Um, I want to say it was Henry Ruggs, and it was a beautiful route by Henry Ruggs that he had Nate Hobbs, you know, kind of had on a swivel type of a thing. But I got to give Henry Ruggs a lot of credit on that because he sold it, he executed it, he was efficient with it, and makes the catch. It was really a thing of beauty, actually. If that's Henry Ruggs that you can expect uh, this season, that really bodes well uh, for the Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. In the Huddle, Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Hey, just want to give you guys a heads up on some uh, special things that we're doing. By the way, we're going to be at uh, the Treasure Island on Friday, uh, this Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. We're doing the show from the Treasure Island at the Sportsbook uh, at Treasure Island. Please come by. Um, there's going to be great food, great drinks. Uh, it is 21 and over, uh, but uh, but it's all good. Come celebrate the first show with us uh, at the TI, the Sportsbook at the TI, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun um, with that. But in addition to that, moving forward, you know, last year – was tough. You know, we, we started Raider Nation Radio last year. The Raiders arrived in town, landed in Las Vegas last year. Uh, it was supposed to be this big celebration, uh, the, the, this moment where, you know, the Raiders were going to make their mark in Las Vegas. We as Raider Nation were going to make our mark uh, here in Las Vegas and really get out and about and connect with fans, connect with listeners, uh, turn Raider weekends into Raider celebrations uh, on on home weekends, uh, you know, enjoying each other's company, being able to party and have fun and get to know each other. You know, that's what the plan was. But unfortunately, COVID-19 said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Well, you know, things are moving in the right right direction. I know um, there's been, you know, some some little bit of rocky road uh, here recently, but I think if we're all careful and if we're all uh, responsible, you know, we'll be able to keep moving in the right direction. And I say that all that to say this, uh, starting this season and starting on September 12th, the day before the Raiders open the regular season over at Allegiant Stadium on Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the day before that game, September 12th, and the day before every home game moving forward this season, and there's nine of them <laughs> coming up, 
uh, Raider Nation Radio, In the Huddle, myself, Q Myers. Uh, we're going to be throwing a Raider Nation Radio rally. Uh, it's a day before game rally over at the Rockstar Bar. Uh, it's it's adjacent to the Las Vegas Golf Center. It's right across the street uh, from the town center here in Las Vegas. It's right on Las Vegas Boulevard, maybe two miles away from Allegiant Stadium. Uh, we're going to start it at 5 o'clock on September 12th, and that's the start time moving forward. Most of them are going to be on Saturdays, obviously, because most home games are on Sundays, but we might throw you, we might have to audible a, a little bit here and there, depending on what time, what day the game is. Obviously, the Raiders open on Monday night, September 13th. So Sunday, September 12th, 5 o'clock, the Rockstar Bar. We're going to have music, uh, great food, great drinks. Obviously, Embajador Tequila is going to be uh, front and center. We're going to have uh, raffles, Q&As. Me and uh, you know Q are going to be out there mingling with, with fans, getting to know you guys, getting to know listeners, and vice versa. Uh, we're hoping to put together a live remote two-hour radio show uh, from five to seven and then hang out afterwards and hang out during with you know have fun uh, together so we want this to be a tradition we want to get it started this year uh, and keep it moving uh, as the years go on uh, a way for us to say thank you to you guys and vice versa and get to know you guys and 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 talk football talk Raider football talk NFL games there's going to be a Sunday night game uh, that Sunday on the 12th uh, on Saturdays we'll be able to watch some great college football on the big screen TVs, but please join us. Rockstar Bar and Grill, Las Vegas Boulevard, right next to the Las Vegas uh, Golf Center, right across the street from the town center here in Las Vegas. Uh, I know I've put the invite out on Twitter, got a great response, whether you're coming in from out of town, and we know a lot of uh, folks are going to be coming in from Los Angeles, uh, the Bay Area, all around the country, because we know how hard and deep uh, Raider Nation rolls. So we're counting on you guys when you come into town the day before the game, hooking up with us uh, and having a great time. But also, if you're in Las Vegas, I know it's super important for the Raiders uh, to continue to make their mark here, uh, to continue to uh, plant roots here, long-standing roots, and be a great part of this community. And so for, for the Raiders... Uh, it's something that, you know, uh, this is a way to get word out on the Raiders. But if you're here, if you're nearby, if you're traveling in the Rockstar Bar and Grill on, on the day before every home game, starting on September 12th, 5 p.m. Can't wait to get it started. Can't wait to, uh, to see all you guys and gals. Uh, and I know a lot of you guys have already expressed uh, sincere interest in joining us. Uh, so look forward to that. But first and foremost, the Raiders play a game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, talking to Derek Carr, asking him, you know, how much time he's probably going to get. You can count on maybe one hand the amount of plays that he may play, which dubious uh, that that he even does that. Uh, so expect some Marcus Mariota on Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks. Definitely expect some Nate Peterman uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. It'll be interesting to see to what extent that first-team offensive line uh, plays and not quite sure uh, that's going to happen. You know, it's early in the preseason. It's the first game of the preseason. Um, but, I, I, you know, I would think, I would think, and, you know, put the, put the word out to you guys or the question out to you guys, and you can give us a call, 702-365-9200. Do you think the first-team offensive line plays any, you know, uh, on, on, on Saturday? 
you would think that the offensive line needs to get a little bit of time together, just running out on the field, hearing the cadence, hearing the noise, uh, snap counts, all of that. I know that it's being worked on, obviously, during practice day after day after day after day, going all the way back uh, to OTAs. But there's there's a different feel about it in an actual game. You know, I'm talking about I'm talking about a turnover happens. You got to go grab your helmet, and run on the field, and and start the drive. Hurry up! You got to in a hurry up situation. Uh, all these different things that you can try to replicate in practice, but really the only thing that um, that that uh, the only way to master it is to actually do it in the game. And sometimes that's what that early season is all about. Uh, but specifically for this offensive line, because you've got a new center in Andre James, you've got a new right tackle in Alex Leatherwood, you're going to have a new right guard. Uh, it's no longer going to be Gabe Jackson. It's either going to be Denzel Good or John Simpson. Um, you know, so Richie Incognito uh, missed basically all of last year. He played two games last year, so he's got to work his way back into things uh, with this with the re- other starting linemen. So, you know. Are they going to get more time? How much time is Trayvon Morg going to get? You know, how much time is Tanner Muse going to get? How much time is Damon Arnett going to get? Trayvon Mullen going to get? I, I think this young defense, and it's not so young anymore. Uh, a lot of the young players took steps forward or, or years of development last year, a year of development, I should say. You know, um, and so youth is, yes, it is a young team. It is a young defense, but these guys have gotten older, and you can't be using that excuse all the time. They've populated uh, in and around some of those young players with some wise older veterans, Solomon Thomas, um, you know, Quentin Jefferson, Yannick Ngakwe, Gerald McCoy, Casey Hayward, Carl Joseph, Rasul Douglas. Um, there's there's a little bit of that flavor as well. and But for that defense – Gosh, you, you just wonder, is Gus Bradley thinking, all right, you know, we need to get some of these guys on the field together with all the sub packages that the Raiders run, with all the different different personnel groupings that this Raiders defense runs? Uh, d- does Gus Bradley get them on the field? I would suspect that we're probably going to work toward that, um, and maybe by that third preseason game is when you'll start seeing, um, you know, more of the starters playing more of the time. Remember that third that third preseason game typically historically has been the dress rehearsal uh, for 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 teams. So you're, you're going to play your starters sometimes into the third quarter. We'll see. Um, but I know fans have said, well, they there's does that stay the same since there's no fourth preseason game? Does that mean the second preseason game is the equivalent of last year's third preseason game or or the historic third preseason game? Just remember it this way. Basically, the NFL cut out the fourth preseason game. So where that fourth preseason game typically fell on the calendar is now just a whole week off. So they didn't move anything back. They didn't move anything forward. Everything stayed as is. So the first preseason game starts where the first preseason game typically started. Same with the second, same with the third. What changes is after that third preseason game, then there's a whole two weeks off uh, until – the Raiders open the season against the Baltimore Ravens. And actually, for the Raiders, a little bit longer than two weeks. They play Sunday. Their their last preseason game is Sunday. I want to say it's the August 28th against the San Francisco 49ers. Then they don't play a game until September 13th against the Baltimore Ravens. So it makes you think, looking at it from that perspective, like 
that first team might get a little bit of time in that third preseason game because it's going to be a long time uh, before they're able to get onto the field to play a football game. It's going to be another two weeks or so before they're able to do that. So stands to reason that they'll get some time, some significant time in that third preseason game. We're going to go to uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Robert is in Portland, wants to talk about the running backs. How you doing, Robert? A little good. Hey, I had to ask it. You know, with Richard Hurt now, are they going to go with the Bama kid or the Louisiana uh, college kid? Uh, as backup, you know, as a sleeper, uh, because both of them are really. They, I know that one was a backup at Bama, but he he looks good, and the other guy does too. One's a little bit bigger than the other, but which one do you think is going to make camp? I mean, make the uh, September. Well, I think I think this preseason um, is going to be is going to play a pretty big uh, role in that, and I and I know that um, I'm going to get the depth chart here uh, real quick. Uh, and we're going to get into it. We're going to dive into uh, that question because it's a good question. Yes, Jalen Richard is hurt. He's probably about another week or so away from uh, from coming back. So uh, write him off in terms of the preseason. I would imagine Jalen Richard's barely going to see anything, at least in this first preseason game. Uh, why would you? Uh, and then um, I, I doubt very seriously as well. Uh, that Kenyon Drake gets uh, any time in these, the, the, at least this first preseason game, maybe the first couple of preseason games. Uh, so that means uh, Trey uh, uh, Ragas, um, the Louisiana kid that you're talking about, who's looked pretty good uh, in training camp, is going to get a uh, a shot. Uh, B.J. Uh, Emmons will get a shot. Both Scarborough will get a shot. I know that. Um, Derek Carr talked today about Alec Ingold wanting to get some running back snaps. Maybe he's trying to nudge his way into the preseason. We'll see. I know Alec is a gamer. Uh, He's going to want to play. Garrett Groshek, uh, the undrafted free agent, um, will get some playing time also from Wisconsin. So I think you're going to see a lot of those young guys. And Trey has definitely, um, you know, because of the way things have played out with the running back room, Theo Reddick retiring, uh, Jalen Richard getting hurt. And not being out there, that means 36. Trey has gotten way more time than than he probably anticipated, or the Raiders uh, uh, probably anticipated. But he looks good. He looks fast. He looks like he he knows where he's supposed to be. I like the angles. I like the cuts. I like his understanding uh, of things. Um, so I'm I'm anxious to see what he looks like. Uh, on Saturday, because I'm sure he's going to get a significant amount of time, as is Garrett, as is Bo Scarborough, uh, as is B.J. Uh, Emmons. These guys are going to get an opportunity here. Um, and and when you think about it, if Jalen Richard, Richard, <clears throat> if if his if his regular season is compromised in any way uh, by the injury that he's dealing with, one of those guys is going to be on the opening day roster. I'm not saying that that's going to be the case with Jalen. Uh, when I checked, what was it last week or so? It was supposed to be a two week deal, but you know, two week deals can turn into a month long deal. You don't know. And you have to be prepared uh, just in case. And so I think that the Raiders are going to keep an eye out on things uh, and definitely be prepared to deal with Jalen not being out there, and so that opens a big time door for uh, for for Trey Regas and and Bo Scarborough uh, to to show what they can do, and that comes really big time on Saturday. You know they're getting second, third team reps right now. They're going to be out there for significant amounts of time, if not starting, 
come Saturday night against the Seattle Seahawks. So great opportunity uh, for, for, for those guys. Great opportunity for the Brandon Parkers, John Simpsons. I'm not quite sure we'll see Nick Martin. I think he's in the plans long range this year. So I'm not so sure that the veteran guard, veteran setter is going to uh, going to get a whole bunch of time. Jared Jones-Smith. Remember uh, Mike Mayock earlier in the preseason uh, talking about or earlier, uh, uh, you know, before the Raiders drafted uh, the linebacker or excuse me, Alex Leatherwood. Um, talking about him in terms of, uh, of of being a tackle to uh, to keep an eye on, uh, so we'll see. And a, a lot of these uh, younger guys are going to get Foster Moreau, John Brown. Got to see how it all plays out. But I'm looking forward uh, to Saturday without a doubt. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Butter. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 9:20 a.m. Now back to your host, Vinny Monsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, coming down the home stretch of a Wednesday on a what turned out to be a day off for the Raiders, at least in terms of that morning practice, which was met with uh, universal celebration. Uh, nothing like, Coach, as you're getting ready to brace yourself for two more hours in uh, the Las Vegas heat, Coach telling you, yeah, uh, don't worry about it. No practice today. Yeah, that was... That was uh, welcome news uh, to a whole bunch of Raider players. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line. Welcome in our good friend, uh, my colleague uh, in Raider coverage. Uh, He does it for the Associated Press and does an outstanding job uh, of it at that. Willie G. Ramirez. Uh, You can follow him at Willie G. Ramirez. Um, He does a tremendous job covering the Raiders and everything else here in Las Vegas. How are you doing, my friend? What's happening, Vinny? What's happening? You know, one people that didn't have a day off was all of us. I know, right? Yeah, we don't get days off. I was about ready to text some people and say, "All right, well, if you're going to give, if, if everyone's getting the day off, can you write my story for me? Can you get somebody to write my story?" But you know how we roll; it's all good. Uh, and one thing that I did like Willie, uh, uh, many things, in talking to Derek Carr and talking to Alec Ingold, uh, and Alec brought this up. It ain't a day off, man. You know, uh, we didn't practice, uh, but we're hitting the weight room, we're hitting the classroom, uh, we're getting into the yeah. recovery room. Uh, so. I really like that mentality that we're starting to see from this Raider team. A lot of guys would have joked it off or whatever, and and you know, uh, put, put you know, uh, put it in neutral a little bit. But instead, these Raiders keep it keep the pedal to the metal. They're not satisfied with just being okay. They want to get great. They want to turn this corner, and no day is a wasted day. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think and I think you saw this in there in there in especially with Derek Carr and saying that they wanted to get out there and Alec Ingle wanting to be out there. You know, they were happy with not having to be out in the heat and happy to sort of receive a, a hey, take the day off. You've been doing a good job, pat on the back. But at the same token, they wanted to get out there and get a little revenge after the defense got the best of them, um, possibly the defense's best day. Um, I think the defense has been winning a lot of the practices especially since the pads have come on. But for the most part, this training camp and yesterday was probably its best day. Um, So they, you know, I think there's a small part of them that they wouldn't admit that they were somewhat disappointed, that they were ready to get out there and wanted to, you know, be a part of it and make good on it. Um, But at the same token, you know, like Derek Carr said, it's not a day off. It's a day off from on the field. We're in the uh, we're we're in the weight room. We're lifting weights. We're in meetings. We're we're still communicating. So yeah, I mean, I think this is a team that's fired up, and I think the enthusiasm level continues to rise as they gear up for Week One of the preseason. 
You know, getting back to uh, the the defense getting the best of the offense uh, here and there uh, during training camp, we've seen it, uh, obviously, and Tuesday was a pronounced uh, day in that regard. And no doubt, uh, Derek Carr, uh, the competitor that he is, uh, that's not going to sit well with him. So I'm sure it was a it was a tossing and turning, sleepless night. Even though he wasn't really directly, except for maybe one or one, uh, he wasn't really directly uh, involved in the turnovers. But it's his group. Right. The offense is his is his his side of the ball. But sure. and so I'm sure you know that ate at him, and certainly he wanted to uh, redeem the offense uh, today. However, the other side of that coin is I know that Derek is pleased with what he's seeing from this defense. It's a cautious optimism. Um, you know, he's alluded to that. He's been down this road before and only to sometimes be let down, uh, unfortunately, by that other side of the ball. But I think he has a pretty good feeling that this defense is headed in the right direction. So another part of him that is looking at the big picture of this whole thing, was pretty darn happy with what happened on Tuesday in terms of how the defense was getting after it. Yeah, and I think he I think he has to be like you said because last year, you know, when you open the season 6 and 3 and you close it 2 and 5 and three of those five losses happened within less than 2 minutes left in the game, once in overtime, once with, you know, seconds left against Miami, and it's the defense that's that's blowing these these games where the offense is doing its job. I think it's important, you know, for him and and the offense to to recognize how improved the defense is and how pronounced its improvement has been, you know, particularly with the secondary, I think it's, it's important all around. And that's something that, you know, you heard him say, and we've heard a lot of the offensive guys talk about, um, let alone the defense, but I think that it's, it's most certainly important and, and appreciative, you know, um, Derek had said that, you know, he was, he loves to see stuff like that. You know, today I think you saw both sides of it, where he wanted to be back out there, but at the same time, he's 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 you know, it sounds like he's the defense's biggest cheerleader. He he wants he he's happy to see the improvement on that side of the ball, and I think that we've all seen it in terms of the defensive line getting after work. I think that we've seen it with the secondary during seven on sevens. Um, guys are jumping routes. They're they're getting in front of the balls. They're deflecting balls. They are keeping up with the receivers. I mean, we're seeing the receivers. It's not as if we're seeing the receivers not get their, you know, get their licks in, but we're seeing a, a much improved defense that was a lot of the focus after OTAs and a lot of things that we talked about um, heading into this was can this defense and can that secondary and can that defensive line, can it apply the pressure where it needs to in order for the stop unit to do what it needs to do and balance things out for an offense that was getting it done last season. We're talking to Willie Ramirez, who covers uh, Las Vegas sports, the Raiders in particular, for the Associated Press here in Southern Nevada. Willie, I don't know about you, uh, but I am continually drawn uh, to a new Raiders assistant coach by the name of Ron Milas, okay? And uh, he kind of reminds me of... I've said this a couple times on the air uh, of that of that high school pr- principal or vice principal that you had that you know kind of patrolled the campus, somebody that could talk to you, laugh with you, have fun with you, and you understood that you know he had your back in a lot of ways and was somebody that you can trust and like and have a relationship with, you know, uh, but also had a commanding presence about him. Might have had the bullhorn with him just in case something got out of hand so that he could shout to, to make sure everybody could hear him. Not that he necessarily right. needed it all the time because he probably had that booming voice as well. But he was that guy that you didn't want to disappoint. He was a guy that you didn't want to be caught 
out of class when you were supposed to be in class and run into him in the halls and get dragged into his office and have to deal with that. So kind of a dad figure in a way, but somebody that you don't want to you know mess with and certainly somebody that you don't want to disappoint. Um, have, do you get that same kind of vibe from him? And I know we talked to him uh, over the weekend, and it, it just it seems like he has a commanding presence about him that I think resonates with the players. No, there's no doubt about it. And I think out of everybody, that's, it, 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 he was the most important assistant to bring aboard because that was the one unit we needed to see improvement. And I think across the board, we've seen that unit. And just for instance, like when I had a chance to talk to Damon Arnett, he specifically had talked about how that, you know, how important it was to not disappoint anybody on that coaching staff from his standpoint or the secondaries. So with Coach Miles, I agree with you. He's sort of that guy who, He's, he's a player's coach where he can relate with the players. He can talk to the players with the same token. They don't want to do anything to let him down with these, with what he staked in them and how much they built him up. They, you know, or how much he's built their, his players up and his reputation in somewhat building that under Gus Bradley and what he's trying to do. So I think without a doubt that because of his influence, because of the drive of these guys that are wanting to prove a lot of people wrong and, you know, the infusion of the, of a veteran like Casey Hayward and, you know, just the overall presence of Gus Bradley. We saw him walking around unit by unit and the encouragement that he provides by just stopping by for three minutes to watch the defensive line, to watch the secondary. It instills the confidence he has in his coaches like Miles. And I think it instills the confidence that Miles has in his unit. And these guys are responding. Vinny, I mean, seven on seven, day after day, we are seeing the secondary get the best of, you know, again, I'll say this. There was the one day where Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs made some incredible plays last week. I mean, they just stood out. But when you see the seven on seven in drills and you're seeing that this secondary is ready to play, I am excited. I know it's week one of the preseason, and we're not supposed to see a lot of stuff in the preseason. But the fact of the matter is, with only three preseason games, these guys are – this is going to be an exciting game, especially with the fans that are going to be in the stands. And that, again, I go back to it, that's one unit that, in my opinion, is going to stand out. There's no doubt about it. You know, I was watching you, uh, uh, Willie, when Gerald McCoy was talking, and uh-huh. and I, I, I almost sense that you wanted to go run through a brick wall for him. Uh, that's the kind of commanding presence that Gerald McCoy has. Uh, Willie yeah. Ramirez and and seriously like like there's people that just kind of walk into a room and command it and he definitely commanded that room and you know when he said yesterday that he feels like this defense is gonna surprise some people uh, creep up on some people uh, that might not see it coming necessarily I don't right. I don't think that those are just words I don't think a veteran like that dude who's seen it done it been there done it all of that I don't think he's just gonna give it up Willie I think he sees something in this defense. Yeah, and I think we all do. I mean, he sees it in the locker room. He sees it in, you know, in in meetings. Like he said, I mean, what would he say? He said nobody. He admitted. He said nobody wants to go to meetings. He's skipping to meetings after practice. He's skipping to the meeting rooms after practice to 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 watch, you know, to 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 be involved. He says he loves being here, and that's the sense that I'm getting. It reminds me of year one with the Golden Knights. Everybody wanted to be here because of the locker room, because of the chemistry because of how the, the bond with the players that they had with one another. And that's what I sense from listening to McCoy talk is, is that, you know, he just wants to be a part of something. And he saw, he, that was the first thing that he mentioned when you uh, he came in, he said hello, he introduced himself, talked about how exciting he was, and you mentioned, so, and you asked the first question. And he just talked about 
how grateful he was to be here, and he believed in something with the Raiders that made him want to be here on top of obviously wanting to come back and avenge last year, you know, rupturing a, a quad tendon in, in his uh, in, in training camp at the same time last year with the Cowboys. So he, uh, this is a guy who's been to six Pro Bowls. He's got the experience. He's played with some great players. So, you know, for him to, to sort of say, I'm content in working off to the side, getting my conditioning, getting my speed back, getting my footwork, for him to, to sort of say what, the things that he said, and when his time comes, He'll be ready. Um, it, it it was it spoke volumes in that room, and I you know um, I think a lot of us felt like outside of Foster Moreau's fantastic day at the podium. I mean, he might Gerald McCoy might have, he might have been the the best uh, that we've had thus far out of all the players that have been made available. Very quickly, Willie. Everyone keeps asking me to ask Willie about his uh, player sleeper prediction. Uh, who who is the player? We got about ten seconds here. Damon Arnett, five uh, weeks ago on ESPN Radio on Cofield Show, I told everyone that don't believe the hype in terms of him being out the door and that he would be the sleeper guy. All right, I like it. Willie, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. I will see you tomorrow and certainly this weekend out at Allegiant Stadium. Always appreciate the fire. Always appreciate the insight. I want to say thanks uh, to Willie Ramirez for spending some time with us in the huddle. I want to thanks to all the callers. Uh, thank you for bringing it. Damon Cotton, thank you for doing what you do. I want to thank all the listeners. You're why we do this. Uh, you're in the huddle. Vinny Bonson brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. We'll be back at it tomorrow from the facility. Got a couple of special guests, by the way. Uh, tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.